in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 8. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he, this is Christ, led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Last week in our message, we began by saying that when Christ came to earth and he ministered among us, calling us to himself in eternal salvation, his mission and his efforts were complete in every way. And they accomplished everything that he intended. Nothing was left to chance and nothing, not even the smallest of concerns or considerations was missed or forgotten. And that's important for us to understand. He not only brought the gift of salvation to our souls, he also did so many other very special things for us and in us as he saved our souls and his Holy Spirit came to live within us, he also placed a unique calling within our spirits. A calling that he fully intends for each of us to be about all the days that we remain in this life. And then also, also knowing that we are completely unable in our natural self to carry out such matters as those that the Holy Spirit would minister to us with, he very graciously put special gifts within our spirit, enabling and empowering us to engage in and to carry out every part of that special calling that he placed within us. And note here, especially that the Lord Jesus saw fit to make sure that we understood that the gifts and the calling came directly from his own hand and not from some natural talent within us and not from some learned, educated kind of training. In verses 8 and 11 we read, Therefore he, when he ascended on high, this is Christ, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts to men. And then in verse 11, there is a double emphasis on this one word, and he himself. Now some of the versions of Scripture only have the word he, but there is a double emphasis on that word. And so this version, the New King James Version, says he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. These words are, are clear and plain so that we should not misunderstand them. This is God's hand at work in us. Each of us is unique in God's love for us, in his intent for us, in his plan for us, and each of the gifts and the callings that he puts within us is by his own hand and unique to our particular soul. 
It's one thing for us to believe and to accept that before the foundations of the earth were formed that God designed certain plans for each of us. But here, the added emphasis is being given to us that Jesus handpicked each of us. And then recall the verses that I just read in the opening. They're from Isaiah 43 where he tells us to fear not for I have redeemed you I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. You and I must not misread these words and also the words of our text from Ephesians here and think that God has simply issued a general call to all people to go out into the world and get about being good people and while we are out there to tell somebody about Jesus. Not at all. Yes, God has a general call upon us. And everyone should be good people. And everyone should tell others about Jesus. But I want us to understand that these words are plain and they are specific. Christ is saying to us, to me personally, to you personally, You are not only my beloved bride, but you're also my purchased possession. I have bought you at a great price, my own blood, and you are mine. I have called you by name, and I have placed a special calling within your heart. And it's a lifelong task that I want you to be about And I want only you to be about that particular calling, not someone else. You can't have a substitute on any particular day. Sometimes we like to do that in our workplaces. We find someone to substitute for us. But this calling, that's not permitted. It's unique to us. And he said, not only did I give you that calling, but... I'm going to also make sure that you're able to do all that I ask of you. And so I will personally place within your heart, your soul, a special gift, or more than one, perhaps, several special gifts, to be to enable you to do and to carry out all that I've called you to do. So then, we truly do have everything that we need as we read in Second Peter, for life and godliness. And we really can step on forward with great confidence because we are completely equipped in every way for every circumstance that we'll encounter. It may not feel like it at the time. It may not seem so. It may be uncomfortable. But we are in every way equipped for every circumstance. And all of this that I'm saying to us now is to admonish us to be watchful and to not allow the matters and the events of of our daily life to just happen to us and to carry us along with what daily life so often is able to input into our lives. Because free will has a way of capturing our attention and causing us to to drift off in meaningless and unproductive and even, even destructive directions. Our part 
as the Spirit of Christ begins to fill our heart is to open our eyes to the vision that He has set before us. May I ask you, have you, since you came to know Christ, have you stopped long enough to ask Him, Lord, what is the vision that you now have for me for the rest of my life? I had control of it up to this point, but now that I have you as Savior and Lord, what is your vision for my life? We need to do that. And we need to yield our hearts to Him and His purposes, to His callings, and to the gifts that He has given to us. Once we do that, let me assure you, our whole life will change. Our whole life will change we'll find ourselves transported into purposes and plans and undertakings that we would not have otherwise imagined. Now, I'd be remiss in these words if I didn't also acknowledge and warn us about the resistance that we are going to encounter from our adversary, the devil. Folks, I know that you know this, but I want to say it again. He is very, very real. And he is ever and always in opposition to all these good things that God has planned for us. The demonic world is an ever-present predator traveling to and fro throughout the earth seeking whom he may devour. Their mission ever and always is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It's simply who Satan and his demons are It's what they do. And so you and I should expect nothing less. But with all that being said, with that warning being given, you and I are also admonished to be of good cheer. Because our God is ever so much more powerful and so much more able to protect us from Satan's schemes, from all of his the misfortunes and the misdeeds that he brings to us. May I read some of those verses to us? In John chapter 16, verse 33, we read, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And in 1 John 4, we read, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, the world. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And in 1 John 5 we read, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So then, when we read 2 Peter 1, that God has given us everything for, that we need for life and godliness, we can be completely confident that we can step on forward with these gifts and the calling that Christ has put into our hearts. Now what he's telling us about here are his gifts that he's going to give us. And so, again, here in verses 8, let me read that for you. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captives captive and he gave gifts to men. So, the gifts. And now in verse 11, he says... These are the gifts. He himself gave some to be apostles. By the way, notice that he said he gave some to be apostles. Not everyone. Some. So gifts are distributed, as it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 
by the will of the Holy Spirit to whom he decides. He's very clear. So not all are to be apostles, but he gave some to be apostles. He gave some to be prophets. He gave some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers. And for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Those last two, pastors and teachers, are sometimes linked together. And we should always do that sort of thing because between these gifts and others that are mentioned later on, we can see them in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12. Often we'll have more than one gift. And it's necessary. It's most often necessary for pastors and teachers to have both of those gifts. Also prophecy. So we may have, you may have, one, two, three, or more gifts. And he says here, why does he give us these gifts? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. These special gifts that Christ gave to men and women were given to us, not for our own benefit, but so that we can minister to others. Let me go back, though, for a moment, and I'd like to reiterate some thoughts that we have already mentioned perhaps last week. Please do understand that we can only have these gifts if we have the Holy Spirit living within us. Now, why do I say that? Because some people are very, very good at some things that look very much like spiritual gifts. Some people are very giving and helpful in the way that they treat other people. There is a spiritual gift of helps. It's one of the gifts that a deacon of the church is supposed to have. The gift of helping people. You may be really, really good at music, at teaching, but those may be natural gifts. To have these spiritual gifts, you must have the Holy Spirit. And again, as I said a moment ago, these gifts are not intended for our own private use and enjoyment. And so, yes, we will have great joy when we have these gifts. We'll enjoy them personally. But their real intended purpose is to benefit others. Again, those words, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Yes, they'll bless us. But they're going to bless other people. For instance, the the one gift here of evangelism. Now, Now, I mentioned a moment ago, therefore the equipping of the saints, primarily for the church, for the believers. Evangelism is one of the gifts that will reach outside the church. And it will tell others about Christ. But for the most part, again, the gifts, these gifts are intended for the blessing and for the benefit of the body of Christ. And we should not confuse them, especially with abilities. Let me, let me tell you what's on my mind. You'll have a group of people in a church congregation and you need to build a building. And so you might then desire to elect a particular person who is a CPA 
onto your deacon board to help you better run the finances so that you can build buildings and so you can follow budgets. But just because that person is a CPA does not mean that they have a spiritual gift that would benefit the church in the area of finance. We need to be careful how we evaluate the abilities and the gifts. I want to also mention here that when God gives us a gift, He combines it with a calling. By that I mean if someone is called to be a prophet, they'll also be given the gift of prophecy. That might seem plain to most. But I need to say it because if you're going to be given the gift of evangelism, you're going to be given a calling to go out and evangelize. You cannot hold that gift of evangelism for your own benefit. And that would also apply to all these other gifts. One additional thought before we begin to examine these gifts individually. As with so many of the other scriptures, and with these scriptures here, when men, when women, when you and I read words within these scriptures, our minds reach for these interpretations of what we're reading. And yes, we are strongly warned that no scripture is left to man's interpretation. You and I are simply never allowed to interpret scripture. Not of our own self. We should never do it. But unfortunately we do. And so each of these words that we're going to study here, the gifts especially, they become subjective. Wrongfully so, but they become subjective in their meaning. And beginning with this first gift that's mentioned here, the gift of apostleship. What does the word apostle mean? It's not a word that we use a lot these days. How should it be applied in our 21st century churches? Well, the title apostle simply comes from the Greek word apostolos, which means a messenger. A messenger that is sent out with a mission. We read in the scripture where the apostles were those first century leaders. They were commissioned by Jesus to go forth and preach the gospel and to teach these scriptures. They were the remaining 11 disciples. You see Paul that was also titled an apostle. You see James, the Lord's brother, uh, was also called an apostle. There's a great number of Christians in our day now that say, well, the apostleship was restricted to those men of those days. No other apostles now are being given. But there are just as many churches out there, many of them over in the Pentecostal, uh, but also the whole Catholic Church, believe that the apostolic ministry still is in effect. Now, for the most part, the mainline churches like Baptists and Presbyterians and Methodists primarily believe that the apostles, that title is reserved for first century leaders. As for myself, because the scripture is not clear on it, I really do withhold my own commitment on that matter. Men and women are still being sent out. And so 
it's okay with me if the title apostle might still be used. But I bring that up to say to us that as God speaks about giving gifts to men, we immediately decide what that means. And we don't have that right. We don't have that right. And so when we don't understand what these gifts are all about, it perhaps is simply because you and I have not received that gift. And we'll never know what it means. And so we ought to leave that to the Lord. Now this next gift, it also has some controversy. Prophet. At its root, the meaning of the word prophecy is simply the giving forth of the Word of God. It doesn't mean predicting the future. That may be part of prophecy. But prophecy is simply giving forth of the Word of God. And that's what I do as I stand here in this pulpit every Sunday. I give forth the Word of God. And so for that reason, I accept that the gift of prophecy is very necessary in today's Christian life, in the body of Christ, for preachers and teachers and evangelists, for all of those that would give forth the Word of God. Now where does some of this prophecy, this controversy about prophecy, originate? It comes up when some of the brethren, especially our Pentecostal and Charismatic friends, insist that prophetic words can come spontaneously into a person's mind and not necessarily be or have its origination within these scriptures. Let me assure you that that is a very dangerous and slippery slope for believers to find themselves on. The Lord is clear. Nothing should be added to or taken away from these scriptures that are already given. No new revelation comes to man. All of God's revelation has already been given within the pages of our scripture. And you and I, and no one else, should add to or take away from it. Let me mention a couple of the obvious crossings of that line. Corruptions in this understanding of prophecy. And it's over in the Mormon church, and it's in the Jehovah's Witness churches. Their teachings are just filled with new and different revelation, completely outside that which is given within the pages of this book. If you and I believe that God can give prophecy to us that's outside of this, then when can we trust this? Much of what took place and takes place in the Mormon church supersedes this, nullifies these words. It's a dangerous dangerous belief. So then, yes, prophecy is good as long as it is giving forth of the Word of God as it's given here in these scriptures. One additional thought, the gift of prophecy is not given exclusively for preachers and teachers and evangelists. God's Spirit can give the gift of prophecy to any members of His body, any members of a church. Some of you may have the gift of prophecy. You probably need to know that. 
I hope next week to bring a list of the spiritual gifts in the form of a spiritual gifts inventory. And I believe that we, and probably most of us, looked at this and filled out this form that I'll give out some years back. But I'd like for us to do it again. We each should know what our spiritual gift is. Let me cover one more of these spiritual gifts before we close. We're running out of time. The next spiritual gift here is evangelism. An evangelist is one who is called to preach the gospel primarily to the unsaved. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, we're told in Romans 1. And therefore it is the first line of ministry to those who are unsaved. Evangelists have that gift. Evangelists are not often pastors of local congregations because most of those within a local church should be, and I emphasize that expression should be, already saved. And I recognize that a lot of folks within churches today are not saved. But And for that reason, the gospel should always be given. But for the most part, evangelism is a ministry that reaches out from the church into the unsaved community. Again, as I said, I've run out of time. Next week, I do want us to continue with these gifts, talk about these and others of the gifts, and I want you to understand, to capture the vision for what your calling and your gifts are, because let me assure you, God has placed a calling upon your heart, and he has given you spiritual gifts. And we need to be about them. You need to be about them. So we will look at this form that uh, maybe we can get uh, to you next week and ask you to, to, in your private time, ask the Lord what spiritual gifts that you have. May I close with these words again that we've been studying, verses 8 and 11. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captives captive and he gave gifts to men. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Let's pray.